You're listening to the Winefly Podcast, a show which inspires young artists, creators, and entrepreneurs to make meaningful content and pursue their passions. I'm sitting down with creators who live on the Central Coast and talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and how to create a life by design, not default. Today, I have the privilege of chatting with Caleb Holstein, who is an entrepreneur who has started a communal coffee roasting facility in Marrickville, Sydney, as well as all these coffee, which is based on the Central Coast. Okay, how are you Good, mate. How are you? <laughs> good. I'm very good. Like I said, I'm very privileged to be able to sit down with you and have some delicious coffee, which Caleb has been kind enough to uh, share off air. And yes. <laughs> we've had a, like a lengthy chat before <laughs> this. <laughs> it's been about an hour. Yeah. Um, and now we're going to sit down for another hour and talk process learnings story with with Caleb today so yeah. we're very very lucky I apologize for chalking so much before we started don't <laughs> apologize at all it's so good like just so much learning happening um, in, in our kitchen yeah <laughs> so with the winefi podcast I usually start with a gift yes which is the product of winefi it's right. a personalized bottle of wine which I compare the personality of you to the personality of grapes found in wine and it's sort of like a play on words to essentially what I saw as a little bit of a gap where people would buy a bottle of wine and then buy a letter mm. and put them together. Yeah. But the person would throw out both the bottle and the letter. So yeah, I thought, yeah. well, why don't we put them together so they can keep for the memories? Yeah, yeah. Things like that. So oh, that's amazing. I've got a bottle of... Oh wow! <laughs> Amazing. So I was I was originally going to go with red, but then I was talking to Daniel, and because he's helped me with this, yeah, 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 helped me with the questions. Um, and yeah, now he talked about your energy level and everything that you've done, and so I thought, oh, I'll do a bottle of sparkling Chardonnay for you. Yeah, you know, and, um, um, champ, like sparkling wine is actually something huge. So I have a thing with uh, I've lived with one of my best mates and my wife and another mate, and like we're all in the house together. But during like, it was a bit before COVID, but we do a thing called champagne moments. So we've all got little goals and they're just like life goals of like things we want to achieve. Like one of the boys wanted to like paint a painting. So we're like, sweet. And it's just about having like a group of people who are there to like support you do that. So um, yeah, you get to pop a bottle when you achieve your goal and everyone gets to drink it with you on the back balcony. So this so is my good. bottle. Oh, there so we good. go. Yeah, well, I haven't popped one yet. So. You've got a lot to you got a lot to celebrate. I mean, it's a year since coffee, uh, the specialist coffee curators has started. Is that correct? Uh it's a two. Bit further. Two. Yeah, we oh, just excuse me. No, that's all right, mate. Yeah, it's um, that that's all right. We just hit our two year mark. Two years. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe you can read the bottle. Oh um, yes. Because I always try. <laughs> try and share with the audience what it would be like or do you want me to read it no that's alright I'll read it out loud a right. wine that is bursting with bubbles flavour and energy connoisseurs have spent years chasing after the qualities that are held within this bottle winning the 1992 uh, wine of the year Holstein's is sure to bring a smile to all a blend of gingery overtones <laughs> complemented by a rich and rustic character much of the wine's success rests on the Caleb Grape, <laughs> which has taught many local connoisseurs of how patience, uh, perseverance, and consistency can pay off. A wine that should be enjoyed well into the night with close mates celebrating a Liverpool win. <laughs> uh, Holstein's is best at bringing people together to celebrate life, learning, and friendship. Oh, that's bloody lovely. <laughs> that's actually so nice, welcome, mate. That's, um, yeah, Daniel helped me get the questions together and uh, try to put in like some soccer stuff because I yeah. really love that coffee 
coffee, um, plain flour, and uh, yeah, maybe you can enjoy it with some champagne moments. Yeah, yeah, absolutely nailed it. So two years, two years in the making of coffee curators. That's very exciting. I mean, you've built up a very in, like a very special place and a, a very unique place. You know, um, what makes your work unique this is actually a question from andrew puny mm. um asked on instagram so you can dive into future podcast guys and help us out to by submitting these questions so andrew asked me what makes your work so unique um that's that's a that's an interesting one because there's like so much to it for me um obviously from our pre-kitchen chats there's been a fair bit that i've discussed with you but like for me um I do so many things and I have so many different facets within the coffee industry that I do. Um, the thing that I would really define as like making it unique is um, our focus and our kind of point of focus is always around consumers and it's always around making people feel accepted. Um, so the big thing for me, like I, when I maybe getting into it too much or too early, but like when I first started, I was a very novice barista working in what is like regional in the area and um and I didn't, ha- I didn't have answers and I maybe went to like a public cupping, which is like where coffee professionals go to taste and I ask questions and you get these funny looks and you go into shops that are really fancy and you ask for a cappuccino with two sugars and you get funny looks. And I never really had this kind of bridge because I think the coffee industry was struggling to communicate and to be like a bridge for people. It was elite and then all the other people who drink everything else that we don't like. And it was kind of this gap. And I bridged that and I worked really hard to get, become... I was kind of fighting to get into what I looked at as the cool club. If I can talk like those guys and drink what those guys drink and work with those guys work and do all that, then I'm in the cool club. Um, and I got there and I was pretty cool. But then um, just I kind of had a realizing moment that I was like, these aren't my people. Like these guys are awesome and I love them. But it's like, I want to get, I want to be the guy who holds the door open for everyone else who wants to run in here and play around in this cool part of the industry or with these amazing products. Um, so like, yeah, probably that's like the whole thing is like focus on connection. So yeah, connection mm. and communication, making people connect. Mm, and that's what you do it. Yeah. What curators yeah. is you hold that door open so people can come in and experiment with roasting and, yeah. and roasting coffee and, and trying new flavors and trying new things and not being afraid to maybe ask those questions that they feel a little confounded by. Massively, yeah. So we, like, a little overview, um, Coffee Curators, is, we're a communal facility. So pre-COVID, we were a two-storey building um, in Marrickville. We had a communal office space, shared office space. We had um, a espresso training room and showroom where we were partnered with some of the biggest importing companies in Australia for espresso machines. Um, we had a brew bar. We had a competition space where competitors could actually come and train for competition. Um, shared office space, meeting desks, this kind of whole little hub for coffee and education uh, was our top floor. Then our ground floor was our roastery um, where we would um, provide a range of services and, and, and products where we could actually do contract roasting. Um, contract roasting is, uh, there's certain people in our industry have funny uh, opinions about it or things like that, but basically it's hiring someone to create you a coffee. Uh, so what we do is we work with cafes, brands, wholesalers, to help perfect their brand, their coffee, and actually bring it to market with them. Um, or we also then lease our machines out so people who want to get closer and actually touch and understand how does a roaster work, how they can do that, we actually connect them through a process of guided roasting um, where we're actually sitting on the roaster with them and under, helping them understand how they can create their flavors, how they can create their blends. 
Um, so yeah, just giving them that access. Uh, that was the two-story building. Post-COVID, we're a one-story building. Um, <laughs> so I, I was really lucky to be able to downsize. But um, yeah, now we do everything on one floor. We've been able to um, give some shout-outs, but we've got... They're actually all Central Coast boys who have helped me do this change over the last few weeks, which has been like huge. They've kind of... They put in the yards to really like help me like save my business, which is like pretty crazy. Um, boys I went to high school with. Um, so yeah, Billy Bukas from uh, WB Carpentry. Shout out to Billy. Yeah, he's Billy. jumped in and like built us a big dividing wall, helped us settle our benches up. He's got some works on the way for a little like espresso bar. Mm-hmm. And then um, yeah, Dylan McPhail from uh, Coast Complete Electrical. So he drives down to Sydney just to help me. <laughs> Shout out to Dylan. Yeah, so that legend's... Um, yeah, both those boys wow. just like pulled in massive shifts and have helped me out and, and we've been able to adjust, adapt um, and surrender our top floor. Um, I did actually help my landlords to find a tenant. So we have a green company that will be moving in upstairs, like an importer of coffee to have their head office in Australia on our top floor now and we're consolidated all to one. So mm. it's been it's, a gnarly one, but yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone could have seen this stuff coming really. Yeah. Not to the degree like this to just totally disrupt everyone. Yeah. Every single person on earth. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we like it's been challenging, but we're super like super lucky. The fact that I've got that support network, the fact that I've got those boys who were like willing to get in and help me do this stuff and I'm like, you know, mm. and the fact that I've got an amazing, my landlords in the place, are, uh, they're mm. godsends, they're absolutely amazing, um, has made me really privileged in this time because some people have had it a lot harder. Um, we had an 85% downturn in revenue. Um, but we like, yeah, we were fine. Mm. <laughs> like that was one thing and like revenue is one thing, but the way that we, that I run my company with my staff and my team was like, we were healthy, we were safe, and we had time to work on projects. Mm. So all the stuff we put to the side or all the stuff we were like, oh, when we have time, we'll do this because things were bustling and growing really quickly. We were able to be like, okay, cool, let's look at them and put those time in. So, yeah, like I don't never want to cry poor about it or like hard times, but it wasn't easy, but it was like super exciting. It's funny that you say this because just having a chat to you over the past hour and so, yeah. You're very positive. You're a very positive person and you've got this perspective where it's like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. What am I going to do about it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Tell me more about you growing up and you forming that relationship with with that attitude, you know? What yeah. was it like for you growing up on the coast um, and and progressing to where you are now? I mean, you're in your late 20s now. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, a, I feel like an old man now. Um, <laughs> You don't look it. Yeah, so like obviously growing up on the coast was pretty awesome. I come from a big family. Um, I come from like a family full of like crazy strong people. And I didn't realize that. But they were all so strong and they're so dedicated and they're so passionate. Um, So like, yeah, I'm the youngest of five. Um, My mum is, uh, the way I describe her, she's a serial entrepreneur. Um, She left school early, worked in a bank. And then her and my dad uh, were living above a corner store that went bankrupt. They were just living in the apartment above it. And the landlord said, well, if you want to run it, you can run it. They did and it went well. So then he sold it and they were like, oh, well, let's do this again. And then, yeah, it just went from like she had retail shops. Um, uh, even on my grandparents' side, they had like a little pub they ran for a bit. Like they've just always been very much like self-motivated to, to run their own businesses. So you've seen it when you're growing up and I mean, mm. it's not only in your blood, but it's surrounded you in your environment, you know, Massively, and yeah. that really affects you when you can see what 
actually goes on to what you think goes on. Yeah, yeah. You, know? you realise the reality of it. Um, so, yeah, that side with mum was like, mum was crazy into all that, which was uh, like crazy inspiring. And you just didn't realise how lucky we had it to watch that and to like see. And it wasn't like lucky that we were like sitting in an awesome house or like all this amazing stuff, but lucky to be like from literally like after school every day being in the shop before school doing stuff to get the shops ready or like all these little things that just go into like living a small business on your, um, on your website it's like i've been working since an illegally young age yeah uh, yeah <laughs> so that's great but that was the best thing and like i hated it i remember hating it i remember being like oh mom like all my friends are like at the beach or like at the shop like or doing whatever they want and like she's like yeah well i can't get you there so you work like be here and be helpful and you just kind of like grow into it so that was my mum's side like it was the illegally young age thing's funny I always say I started my first business when I was like eight because we were in mum's shop and she had a little flower shop at the time and me and my sister my young oh I say my youngest sister but she's still a bit older than me. <laughs> um but yeah me and her uh, started selling mum we were at the shop all the time didn't want to work for mum because we were you know Young Eight. entrepreneurs, <laughs> yeah. And mum was like, well, pick a product and set a little table up out the front and you can sell it and that's your product and I'll tell you how much you're going to have to pay. Everything's on consignment. So I was eight years old and I'm like, oh, this sounds great. So we had bonsais. We grabbed like five bonsais, set them up on a table. People would come up and I knew each one how much I had to pay mum at the end of the day. So I had to decide how much we wanted to charge on top of that. So it was going to cost me $10. I was like, all right, $20 people come up and you know and then people weren't buying so i just started dropping prices because i was like it was it felt really good when someone handed me money and i was like oh well you should just do that more and it wasn't having to hand that money back to mum yet and at the end of the day when i had to pay back my 50 dollars worth of stock and i only had 40 dollars <laughs> because i was just dropping prices and we were me and my sister were like yeah let's get the money and this is great this is great so, yeah, started a business when I was eight with my sister and we went bankrupt <laughs> in, in about six hours. Um, so, yeah, I was really exposed to it early. And, and at the time, I always like, yeah, there's a lot of angst around it because you're a kid and stuff. But I look back and I'm very lucky now. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. You say wasn't, I wasn't lucky for the material possessions, but the experience I had through my childhood, through my early years and um, working in the cafe, I imagine. Or yeah, yeah. Working in different businesses. You would have learned a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and like, I've got... So, I've got three older sisters and older brother. And we're all very, like, strong people. Strong mentalities of, like, this is how we do stuff. This is, like, lots of energy. So, there was, like, a lot of... Um, the aspiration of, like, watching those guys do stuff. And, like, yes, we clash because we're brothers and sisters. And that's life. But um, just having that ability of, like... I remember working in the cafe when I was very young. And clashing with my brother. And quitting. And then mum's like, okay, that's fine. But then you work in the flower shop because you don't not work. Mm -hmm. So then I went and I was like, I think I was like maybe 10 or 12 and I was like working in mum's flower shop. And it was just like one of those things of like, I was so lucky to like be allowed to express myself, but then also be like kind of forced to be like, no, like you still work. Like, you know, if you want to keep getting money, you work. And yeah, it was like just really lucky, but yeah, working through the cafe and like, yeah, I just grew up there. Mm. It, it's, it's very bizarre for me to, explain it because it was just ha like it was just how I grew up <laughs> mm, mm. And so, it's it's uh it's definitely formed you know your personality and your attitude now as it is and that relationship with this is what we've got to do this is what we've got 
and we're going to handle it, you mm. know, and I love that you're positive and you've got that mindset and going into starting your own business, which was a bit more serious over the, over the products of Bonsai, <laughs> um, what was specialty coffee curators, the first real serious, um, business venture? Yeah. So, um, it was my first kind of solo project of like doing it on my own. Um, mm. so I was really lucky. Like we, mum had small businesses and things like that. Um, there was kind of like, she had uh, a small cafe and all my brothers and sisters were working in it. And then basically she wanted to sell. My old siblings were like, this is our job. And, um, what happened was mum basically said, you can buy it off me, but there's like, she set a rate and she's like, this is what the amount is. And then you have to pay that off out of the business. So it was like a vendor finance for us to own a business. Um, so that was like the real big one for me because I was the youngest. So I was just like, taken along for the ride I didn't get it like not that I didn't get a say but it was more like it didn't like yeah maybe not that I didn't get a say but I was just kind of there and it was all happening I was like yep sure so then what mum did was she sold it to all of us kids and I then had yeah stake in a in a business and that was real for me so because it was a dream of mine watching these guys to have a cafe and I reached a dream of mine at like 15 years old and it was kind of weird because it's like when you realize dreams aren't just dreams. Dreams take work. Dreams take time. Dreams are stressful. Dreams are hard. Like that was broken. That kind of glass barrier was broken for me pretty early. Um, so seeing all that, watching these guys succeed, watching these guys do everything, I had such a low threshold of, um, or a low uh, amount of risk compared to brothers and sisters who had kids and houses and all this stuff. And I was sweet. Like, I didn't have any risk. I didn't know what risk was. Like, I could be a lot more um, free in how I would run my business, which was very lucky. So that was the first real one for me because we were kids and we had a business and we were so suddenly able to borrow money from banks and we were able to knock down and lease the building next door and we expanded and we, like, went from, like, what was would have been like 40 seats, like 150 seats. We had a massive kitchen. We leased another building up the road for a takeaway shop. We set up a burger shop. Like all this was driven by my older brothers and sisters. And I was just along for the ride to add my part, do my piece, things like that. Wow. So for me, that was really, that was my first real business. Um, and that was my first real aspect of it. But I was very much, you know, very supported. And like, I had a lot of insulation around me. And a lot of um, support. So I was, yeah, it was almost like my internship. Yeah, I, yeah. I see. And I mean, that they've got that driving force, that leadership from your older siblings. And mm. you're saying, well, I'm here to learn. I'm on, I'm on for the ride here. But I'm going to really use it to the best of my ability. Yeah. And tell me a bit more about the risk and when you realize like, oh, what's the worst that could happen Like, if I take this on? Yeah, so that's like a, a huge thing for me was like, there was always this fear of um, failure or like, like with any business of like, what if it doesn't go well? What if people don't buy my product? What if people don't show up and all this stuff? But the barrier kind of broke for me when I was, um, I had this concept for curators. So with the cafe, I, I, you know, there was a long story about our current coffee supplier at the time and, and me trying to communicate to them being a very young person and not kind of getting any respect or not getting treated fairly or getting talked down to that. I don't know coffee. You can't do this. And, we were doing a lot for that company in the area. Um, they were sending people to our business to sell their brand. And I just started to ask some questions wanting to know what's in our coffee. How can we do it better? 
you know, what else can we do? And those things and had a lot of pushback. So um, when I kind of push forward on taking that risk of like changing it, um, I was supported by my brothers and sisters. I was like, guys, we can do better. Like we, we can be more, we can want more, we can ask, we have the right to know the answers to these. We have the right to know what's going to be in our coffee. And that was where they like, they actually really like at this time it was, um, it was just me, uh, uh, my brother and one of my sisters left in the business. The other guys had like sold out over time and they backed me. They're like, yeah, we trust you. Which was like, at the time didn't seem like much because it's just like day to day opening a shop. But when I look back on it, that was a moment where I realized, oh, if I have a good support network, risk, risk is okay with, with the right parameters. So like knowing to trust my skill set, trust my ability, trust my support network and also go, I've been blessed to have this or like this family, this community, these relationships, these friends that are so supportive to be able to to attempt to succeed because failure is not scary. And when we did that and we went really well and things started to work and like, sure, it wasn't heap smooth, but there was some, you know, teasing and we got there. Um, that's when I just realized it was like, yeah, like, I got no time to worry about failure. Mm, like, mm. yeah, I don't need to look down. I just keep running on and it's all calculated. There's all, there's a lot of work that goes into it. I never want to make it sound like it's easy and you just have to change your mindset. But that was a real moment for me to be like, cool. Failure's okay. Failure's not the scary guy. Failure's an opportunity for me to learn and for me to get better. Mm. Um, because yeah, just those taking those little steps and, and having it, a support network that's the biggest thing yeah yeah, yeah I'm hearing that loud and clear and yeah. we, we all have a funny relationship with failure I know I sure do mm. but it's funny when you arrive at it it's never as bad as you think mm. and you can always handle it yeah well it's one of those ones where it's like no matter how busy today was in the shop I could have opened the doors tomorrow so no matter how much I fail today I still get to open the doors tomorrow and I get to start and it's like as long as I'm not taking advantage of anyone as long as I'm not abusing anyone degrading anyone hurting anyone I've got to be able to like forgive myself for my failures of that day and to get on to the next one. Cause um, yeah, it's a little bit of like a thing where I think some people are a bit selfish, uh, a bit um, scared of being selfish. So they they fear to be selfish and to put themselves forward. So they're always beating themselves up internally or beating themselves up about a failure or a conversation or a thing. Like I do it to myself all the time, but it's like finding that spot to be like, okay, cool. Now stop beating yourself up and what are you going to do to get better? Or what are you going to do to, to learn from this failure and stuff like that? So, yeah, I got lucky to learn it early. So. Mm, that's really nice. And it's yeah. a really good summary of like what your personality is like today. You know? And you're asking these questions to these people when you're pretty young. Mm. And do you think that was perhaps the start of the idea of coffee curators? And, and thinking about like the coffee industry and... Uh, the supply train, supply train, supply <laughs> chain transparency. Yeah, massively. So, the whole thing for me was um, there was a I had like a list of questions, and it was like there was times when it was a physical book, and there was times when it was just in my head, and there was times when it was spreadsheets and all this stuff. But it was always these things of like, as as soon as someone tells me I can't know or I can't do that or puts me in a box, I'm like, darn man, I'm gonna break that like. You don't get to tell me what I can and can't learn or do or know or be. And it's like, because I'm entitled, I've been, you know, blessed to have this access to running businesses and all this stuff from such a young age. 
that level of like a little bit of pig-headedness to be like, well, no, 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 I'm allowed to know this. Like I'm purchasing this product. I'm allowed to understand what's going into this. And if you're not willing to tell me, then I'm going to go somewhere who will. And that's how I fell into like wanting to know what's in the bag that I put in my hopper that I serve to hundreds of people a day. And if you can't answer that, cool, I'm going to go find out. And if you're not in that process anymore, that's okay, but I need to find that out. And yeah, it, it was just like a rabbit hole of like, there was a, there's a, there was a bit of a thing in the coffee industry and there still is sometimes of like um, roasters or wizards behind machines who make this amazing brown elixir that everyone loves. Don't ask questions. And there was a little bit of, a bit of that. So I wanted to like break those barriers down and make it connected because um, I grew up cooking. I cooked in high school and got like competitions and around the world and stuff. Just not never qualified, but just cooking. And when I realized, I was like, oh, cool. So it's a raw product and we cook it. I can learn that. Done. All we are doing is applying heat. Um, and there is a lot to it. There's amazing chefs. There's bad chefs. There's all that. Same with roasters. It's just about being conscious of like what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I realize there's just all these gaps and barriers to entry of like, don't open a cafe. Don't do this. You can only be a barista. You can't be a roaster. You have to do this. Like we don't have what the culinary industry has where it's like, I go to school, I do a four year course and I become a qualified chef. I go to a cafe, I become a barista and like, I hope it works. And I was like, cool, surely it's got to be a more supportive network to like get people around it. And some companies do some really good stuff and there was like, there are good people doing good things, but I just wanted to basically create a place that would make Caleb from, you know, 10 years ago, 17 year old Caleb have a pathway if he found that business to be able to get into an industry, to be able to, um, connect to industry professionals, uh, like amazing equipment, uh, like just a skill set that was always there but never readily available. Mm, um, and bringing people into your facility for world-class status and yeah. knowledge as well. And for a kid that's 17, early 20s as well, to come down and be able to tap into that industry is huge. Yeah, you know? like it, it sounds, I don't know, I always worry that I sound... Um, uh, what's the word, maybe, not preachy, I'm always very concerned about that, but like, I've been super lucky, super lucky with everything that's happened, I've been able to connect with amazing people, I've been able to connect with amazing people in the coffee industry, I've been asked to do stuff and showcase stuff, but my whole goal with curators and what we are as a brand was like, um, as companies, just connecting people to the best, and being the guy who's like, I want to be the guy who like, they're like, oh wow, he could do it, so we can do it, like, I'm the guy who's like, hey, I've been to the other side and it's awesome. The coffee's amazing <laughs> and it's heaps cool, like roasting. Yeah, it takes a challenge and stuff, but come check it out. So like, I want to be the guy holding the door open and curators is, is that doorway. It's the, the way I want to describe it is we're the incubator for the next generation of coffee professionals. Mm-hmm. So we're the place where they get to come, they get to learn, they get to grow, they get to be accepted. They get to not have to fit categories. That they don't have to have, you know, if a coffee bag says they can taste jasmine. I don't care if you can taste jasmine or not, but can you evaluate it? Can you, you know, can you add to that experience? Um, so yeah, that's the whole link. One of the, you just mentioned about like young kids and like, I know I was talking about my younger self. There was actually a moment last year we got invited to a, a, like a conference event called um, MICE. So it's the Melbourne International Coffee Expo. Curators got invited down. Like we were just like, we're nothing. <laughs> we're a speck on an industry, but like we're, we make, our whole thing is like make waves and make there's no one doing what we're doing in the way we're doing it. So we're able to like kind of stand out 
and we have to be proud of that. So we were able to stand out. We were able to get invited down to take over um, uh, a space at the show for the whole week. So we took over a space that was actually run by a company called Milk Lab. A lot of guys probably see them in their cafes. Um, we actually work really closely with them doing all their validations for new products. It's actually a new one coming out later this year. <laughs> Can't say, but um, so we do all their testing at Curators. We test all their new products with their science team to have them as a large company to have a connection back to the industry. Um, so they invited us down. We actually took over their space. So we ran an area that was called the Brewster Social Club. And usually what they used to do is they just have all their like sales guys sitting there and like hang around and, and basically I just approached them I said guys don't call it that like if you're going to call it that call it like your meeting room because it just looks so naff like there's no there's no there's nothing to do with Brewster's in there and I was like I just went hard at them and I was like if you want it to be good do this and like make it a space where people get to connect make it a space where people get to like have access to your products have access to amazing people and long story short got to invited down and basically they said do what you want so I was like, oh, okay. Amazing. And that's where I put my hat on, what did young Caleb want? And I would have wanted to meet people and hear about their stories and how they got there. So I hosted a, a, a like a workshop or a talks every day called the, uh, My Heroes and Heroines of the Coffee Industry. And the scary part was then like just reaching out to people I looked up to. Like the first ever roaster I knew by name was a lady called Ann Cooper. And I just reached out to her and got to interview her. Um, we had Sasha Sektik, who was the um, Australian... Uh, well, he was Australian champion, a world brewster champion. We had the, um, yeah, we had the Alio brothers who like built this crazy roaster. Like we just had all these people from around the world who just kept saying yes. And we got to do it and we hosted talks every day and free talks at the show. And then, yeah, there was a young guy who came up to me at the end of it. Um, he's like 16 and was just, he said, thank you. And I was like, I melted, man. I was done. I was like, so done. Cause it was like, that's why I did it. Like all the industry people who come up and say how cool it is and all this stuff. Yeah, that's great. And that's, part of the game but this kid like changed my game and um we've kept in contact he's actually he came up to sydney and we spent some days roasting together just because he came up because his army lives up here and um yeah he's like working on setting up his own little like coffee cart with his friend at the moment in melbourne but um yeah we like just connected on that day and then i was able to like take him around the show because he had like vip passes so he's like backstage at competitions meeting people like i was just like i said to him because he just like he broke me i was like so stoked and I said to him I was like what do you want to do so you know him and his mum I took him around and like showed him heaps of stuff so it's just one of those things of like that's a little moment of what I'm trying to do with the facility and the company and it was one that was like really nice to see happen and to be able to like be like wow that's what it's for (laughs) yeah that's exactly right and um what would you say to someone who's into the coffee that's on the coast and maybe thinking about these sorts of things, starting a business or starting a cafe, starting a cart, you know, there's always so much resistance to this. Yeah. Um, but from an expert like yourself, what, what do you have to say about that and what advice would you give to as the most important thing to keep in mind? Um, like, be, be honest with yourself. Are you ready to work hard? Because, like, sure, we've been baristas and we do lots of shifts and stuff like that, but, like, you don't see the work that goes in after hours. We don't always agree with all our bosses. But there is a lot of work that those guys have to do to get this stuff running. Um, so, yeah, just be really honest with yourself if you're ready for that, first of all. Um, but then research. Like, there's two flip sides of it where I'm like, everyone go do it. But I'm also not going to sugarcoat it. It's real. It's hard. It's challenging. There's cafes on every other street. And it's not easy to just go, I don't like their coffee. I'm going to set up near them because I am I can make nice coffee. Sure, that's an element of it, but you've got to have a more holistic view of it. Um, so yeah, do research. Build a build a network of people that are going to support you. 
learn about the community, learn about the area, learn about how you what you're going to bring to it that's going to elevate it. Um, a lot of people use a drive to be like, this is what everyone's not doing and this is why I'm going to be better than them. But also understand what your core purpose is and why you're going to like focus on what you can control, not what other people are lacking. And, and really focus on that. But yeah, go for it. Um, my, like, my sales pitch is, it's not great, but it's like, it's the boring stuff, research, numbers. Numbers don't lie. Like, if I didn't do all this, I'd probably be a, an accountant. Because, like, numbers make sense. They, they just do. So you have to be raw and honest and look at yourself and be like, sometimes they don't tell you what you want them to tell you, but they do. Um, a lot of the time, they're, like, they're just constant. They're always there. It's a universal language. So, yeah, trust that. Do all your maths. Work out what you're willing to commit to and be willing for it not to work. But don't give up. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's a bit of a weird one. But yeah, there's heaps of things like finding good companies. Um, it's kind of like our facility's not on the coast, so it's a bit hard to like force people to trek. But we had a couple from the coast come down this week who like we're doing blend developments with, just helping them like understand what's like what different coffees are and how they can actually create their own blend and their own brand. And yeah, so like if you're looking, if you like certain coffees, reach out to the companies. But don't be afraid to ask for what you want um sometimes companies will try and tell you what you need mm. mm-hmm. and uh usually that's the stuff they get better margins on <laughs> mm, so my whole thing is like find a company that you click with if you want to do your own thing sweet we can help you out but yeah find companies that you click with people that are good and when he say brand development mm. um and so people would come to you to figure out they want a certain style yeah. In the cafe? Yeah. So they come and learn to roast with you and learn flavour? Yeah, so there's a whole spectrum. Like, people can come and learn to roast with us or people can come and, like, build a blend. They We actually take mm. them through that process. Mm. So a lot of roasters are like, this is our coffee, these, these are our flavours that we know work. Awesome. That's sick. But if you're looking for something that's a little bit more tailored, then what we try and do is we actually take you through the process of, like, cool, these are all the options and this is what we can take you through of how you build a blend that tastes like chocolate or how you build this or how you build that. And, um, yeah, we kind of help with that. We also, because we have our showroom and our training facility, we can connect with education. We can connect with um, all the importers of coffee machines as well. So we kind of hook people up with, like, instead of saying, hey, this is the one machine we get really good rates on, we go, hey, these are all the machines. What's best for you? Mm. Do you need the bells and whistles day one? Or do you need a machine that's going to make you succeed for two years so you can invest in the bells and whistles at that time? Because I've done that where I've opened shops and I've put all this coin in and I'm like, I didn't need any of that for three years like my business wasn't going to be the dream yeah. business for yeah. the first two years yeah. so why did I invest in all this stuff that was unnecessary mm-hmm. and it, it's just one of those things where back to the numbers is like look at why you need stuff and a lot of people <laughs> it's a coffee thing but like baristas go I need a three group coffee machine and I'm like so you're going to be doing more than 60 kilos a week and that's like a pretty high volume if you're not doing that you probably don't need to invest in that yet it's just one of those things of like we, we the, the friction between passion passion and profits is like what you need to be conscious of yeah. and if it's a long haul game maybe we don't need all the bells and whistles day one so that's what we try and help tell people is like it's the worst sales call because I could be like yeah buy all the more expensive stuff guys like get this like oh man get this crazy coffee get this crazy stuff sweet because it's more expensive but it not it's not going to help you last Mm. it's not gonna help you survive there's a whole thing about cafes closing like um they have a three-year lifespan it's because they over invest too early 
So our whole thing is like, we want long, I want cafes to be open forever. I want them to build communities. I want them to be able to survive and thrive like my business did with my family because they've got sustainable growth and sustainable investment at the right times um, because you know, everyone's building Instagram cafes. We want to make sure they last. That's <laughs> mm, a really honest perspective to yeah. have. And for people who come to you and say, listen, these numbers don't lie. Is this what you really need? Yeah. I think you build a deeper relationship with people too, you know, and for people, you make them reflect on mm. what's actually really needed and what's going into your product, what's going into this for the customer. You 100%. Know? And uh, I listened to an interview with you and you said the most important skill a roaster should have is their customer. Um, yeah. Is to know their customer rather. Mm-hmm. Why do you say that? it's like anything because I feel like some people would agree with you you know roasting is like well it's about the coffee it's about the flavour yeah I mean this is what we're here to bring to the world yeah who cares maybe maybe it's coming back to the first question where it's like that's how brands are traditionally set up in the coffee industry like if I go to Campos or Toby's or Pablo Rusty's or one of these like big guys who are like they're all awesome companies amazing people but if they go to those brands those brands are saying, this is our version of coffee. This is our perfection. This is our this. This is our... And it's all about th- what they think is good. And that's great. And it serves a part of the market. But what, what I want to kind of connect to is instead of going, hey, this is our ethos and this is what we do, who, who are you? What do you want to showcase? Like, we want to make people have a closer connection to their product to be able to understand and go, I want to showcase it, my coffee in this way. And I want to be able to do this. And it's not a hard skill set. You just need, like, a guide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all we're doing is helping connect people to this. It's the same way that if you have a restaurant, a lot of people with cafes or restaurants hire a chef. You hire a chef, the chef's going to write your menu for you. You bring a brewster in, the brewster isn't going to write your coffee. But that's what the, it's the same level of service that we provide. Is like we come in and go, cool, what's going to fit for your area? What's going to fit for you as a business owner? What's going to fit for your market, your you know, your consumers and, mm. and we kind of like try and customize those things. And that's, that's down to like our point of difference is, um, is tailoring these solutions to people so that they can be sustainable and they can be successful. Mm. I think we can all learn a lot from that, um, outside of the coffee industry too, mm. you know, just to have that perspective of being realistic about your numbers yeah. and thinking about what's the best fit for your market yeah. and your consumer. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very good, um, very good perspective to have. Yeah, the coffee industry is just like one gem. I think the way I look at it is the coffee industry is is, is what I do and what I love, but like I use this stuff in life. <laughs> mm, mm, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it helps in, in everything. But mm. Maybe we can change gears a little bit and think more about life. I mean, what has been some of the biggest... What's one of the things that you've really held on to over the years to draw inspiration from or motivation? Because it's hard, like you said. You're willing to put into this work. Mm. You know, what, Are you really willing to put this work in? What's something you've always come back to remind yourself of? Um, oh, obviously, like, I'm constantly inspired by, like, what, by, like, my parents and my family and stuff like that. Like, so we talked a lot about, like, what my mum does, but my dad is um, uh, a politician. It's what he did, and it's not, like, a romantic thing, and everyone's got opinions on stuff like that, and that's sweet, but, like, he's my dad, and he's amazing. Um, but when I was born, that year, they were in a flood zone where, they, where we lived, and the local councillor, like, Dad was complaining, trying to see if they could get something done. Local council was like, if you think you can do better, why don't you run for council? 
he's been in council ever since. <laughs> um, he's been in state government. He's been like, like longest serving mayor of the Central Coast, and 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 has been really like I get a lot of kind of drive from him and seeing that it's not a rewarding job. Like he gets so much more money going somewhere else. He gets so much more respect going somewhere else. But he does it to see change in the community and to like see his things come to fruition that he these projects he works on and all this stuff and seeing someone who like works so tirelessly like that is like huge for me. So like seeing what he's done, what's mum's done, like they, that's where I draw a lot of my like um, drive and and energy from. Um, and also my brothers and sisters, like we're all they're all gunho. Mm. And it took me a little while to see it because mm. like you know when you're too close to the pitch, you don't realize it. You take a couple steps back, you're like, oh, I've actually got a really good like base that I've been brought from mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's that, that was huge for me that kind of keeps me driven and then um, yeah just realising that like I used to have a lot of troubles with people I worked for like just notoriously if I ever ended up working for someone mm-hmm. I'd be pushing back against them I'd want this I'd do this and I realised and I was like oh you know why aren't you doing this why aren't they doing that why am I working so hard and all this stuff and then I realised um, I was the problem <laughs> bit of a hard one to say but it's like yeah I was the problem because I didn't have another gear and I had to understand myself a little bit and that like they were hiring me for a job and I'm putting in 150% and I'm looking at how they can adapt it and change it and try this and why aren't you doing this and like okay cool we should work on this and they're just like no nah, like we just want you to do the job mm. and I couldn't do it mm. so I was trying to like revolutionize how they were doing this stuff <laughs> and being like real gung-ho about it and then I just realized I was like oh cool like I just got to take a beat and learn that maybe I maybe I need to like run my own ship because it takes off those barriers of having someone to complain about like a boss and now I'm having to be like super raw and honest with myself every day and week and be like cool why didn't you achieve that this week you set it out and like owning my own flaws or abilities or lack of abilities or good things and bad things so yeah I think that was kind of like something that set me up pretty solid for life was like having that moment of just being like not every like you know it's not all the bosses that are horrible or bad or not doing what you want Mm. you're you've just got a different scope and different you know a different drive and you've got to use that in your own way to succeed and not measure myself against others and so yeah, that was mm. pretty big for me. I think that's huge. It's great advice because we live in this social media world where it's full of comparison. Yeah. And you know, I get it carried away with it, and we forget our talents and our passions and our skills mm. and where to apply them. Yeah. You know, instead, sometimes we compare to where someone else is using their tools and their passions and think, mm. oh, why why don't I fit this? Why yeah. don't I fit the bill? Yeah. Right. But. What you just said then was perfect because it's like maybe you're just not in the right environment yeah, for yeah. you to bloom and flourish, right? Hundred percent, man. Mm. It's um, it's really funny though because it's like I say those and then I always fear that it's like sounds like I've figured it out. I still compare myself to other people. Mm. Mm. I still see that stuff on Instagram. I'm like, damn, I should be doing that. Damn, I should be working harder. Or like, mm. look on something. And I'm like, oh, why did I say it's that? Natural. Yeah. yeah, it's natural. Yeah, it yeah. is. So I like, yeah. I I hate to think that it sounds like I figured it out. because yeah. I'm still figuring it out. It's really true. No, we've covered so much, Kate. It's been such a good chat, man. Um, tell me a little bit more about what's on the cards for you post-corona 2020. What's in the works right now and what have you been working on? Because um, I feel like with your attitude, you didn't just sit back over the past three yeah. months. No, like I definitely like, there was there was a point where I was like, oh, this sucks. And, you, you know, there was like a 
a minute where I was like, oh, what do I do? Because we're a communal facility and the government's literally telling us we can't meet in groups. So it was like, oh, cool, this is a horrible time to run a communal facility. <laughs> so it was like, that was a reality check and it was just like, it was a bit tough, but I'm really lucky to have like an autumn crew. Um, it's pretty much three people. <laughs> um, we have like Bora, um, who has been with us from like day dot. She's amazing. Uh, we have Pauline, who's like our junior trainee roaster, who I'm actually training up how to roast and like, and things like that. And then we have another guy who, he doesn't actually work for us. He just works really closely together with us. Um, Vincent, a young Vietnamese guy who like runs his own training company called Sydney Brewster Training. So we just consolidated into us and we got selfish for a couple of weeks where we were supporting our customers, but we weren't worried about growth or anything like this. We were just selfish about like, how do we support each other? How do we make sure we all get through this? Um, so we actually pulled together and not everyone, because we have some um, uh, foreign citizens, actually got JobKeeper. So we were able to support each other and actually share um, and like keep people going, which is like what we did to make sure that all of us got through and survived. Um, so yeah, we like re- had a real tight moment where we all came together and it's really like bonded us as a team to be like, cool, we are getting like when stuff gets hard, it kind of shows people for who they are. <laughs> um, yeah, so when stuff gets hard, it's like that. It kind of shows people for who they are and stuff like that. And we just got really tight and took care of each other and, and had that moment. And then now we're able to like build off the back of it. Um, we've got our training room and everything, as I mentioned, is like moved to the ground floor, which is like super exciting because there's a whole vibe to this space now. Like we just got some new art. Um, which I have to give a shout out to my mate um, Ruben Bortwood. Shout yeah. out to Ruben. Yeah, check yeah. it out on Instagram. Amazing work. He's insane. Our whole place is And he's just like skyrocketing now as well, too. He's a weapon, man. Like, yeah. I keep every time I'm like, don't forget about our small people, buddy. Like, he's, <laughs> he's killing it. He's, um, he did some work for like Mac Miller, uh, one of their projects after Mac passed away, because um, he painted a piece on our building. Um, so, yeah, he's killing it. And he's like, he's actually he's a massive contributor to like my mentality as well. Like mm. as just a mate to make sure he keeps me like driven mm. as a positive kind of support network that has nothing to do with coffee, nothing to do with that. Just someone who's like keeps me driven. So a yeah. big thing coming out of this is like support networks as well. Yeah. We've been talking about massive and, um, and surrounding yourself with those sorts of people. Mm. I mean, to motivate you, not only that are in your industry, but outside your industries, it's good mates. Like it's a huge thing for you. Yeah. Especially that someone that's running their own companies. Yeah, running their own race. Mm. Like they're, they're not fussed about anyone else. He's not sitting there looking at other people being like, oh, damn it, they're doing art that I can't do or they're doing something I don't want to do. Like he's killing his own game. He's a he's a weapon, man. But um, yeah, so like I guess COVID kind of made me realise who was those people that were really in that network for me and, and then... Um, yeah, we've been, as a business, we've been able to push forward and we've had projects that have just been sitting there that we're like, yeah, we're going to do that one day. And we just took the brakes off because the only brakes were us and, and time. Like, we were pretty busy, but, you know, we, we weren't busy for a few weeks there. Eh? So, um, yeah, we've built, like, uh, we have a little thing called We Are Curators, which was actually built for all the revenue for that was all going back to just covering all of our staff during the time. So, like, we just split it between us every week, whatever we sold, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and then we're just going to keep it functioning because it's a way for us to connect people to coffee nice and easily. So it's a little retail brand that we'll just have sitting online and always be able to like connect people. And it actually gave Pauline a project where she could actually roast the coffee. So she's always really hands-on because as she's a trainee, I can't always put her on roasting for some of our clients because 
you know, we've got to make sure we're hitting quality standards and while she's still learning. But this is a project where we do it. So our quality is your skill set. Like, let's get better together. Mm. And um, mm. she's actually like... See, and that's she, very accountable too. You know, when someone's man. been made accountable to do something like that, you're giving her a chance. And it's, people rise to those challenges. Man, she has progressed more during COVID as a roaster than she did the whole time before. Like, wow. she's a weapon now. She's wow. starting to pick stuff up. The way I would just describe it is, like, teaching someone to drive. It's like she was, like, you know, someone sitting on your lap and they're, like, moving the steering wheel. But I'm doing the brakes and accelerate. And then it was, like, got to a spot where it's like, okay, cool. You're going to still be able to, but I'm on the other side with the brake and accelerate and the tester car. And then, yeah, like now, now she's starting to smash it. She's getting really, she's understanding how to control the machine and control it, like, just a weapon. But, um... But yeah, so we've been able to work on these projects and like really kick to the next level. And last week we launched our um, we had our little projects called We Are Curators. We launched our We Are Curators subscription, which is like something I've had forever in the back of my head because we just want to connect people and introduce people to amazing roasters that might not have the platform or the network to be able to get in front of people. So we're going to build that network. We're going to build that connection. Um, so you're telling... You're having other roasters come in for a monthly subscription and yep. people who subscribe get all these new coffees every month. Yeah, so you can subscribe to the platform, um, to the subscription, sorry, and basically you get to select a little bit about how you like your coffee, so how you drink and things like that to make sure that we're going to get you a coffee that's amazing. But we're going to get it every month from a different roaster. So their version of how they can create you an awesome flat white coffee or how they can create you an awesome single origin coffee but it's from these different brands. And we call it our community because they're all people that have like, we've been able to interact with and see grow or to like support or work with or just admire that we want to introduce to people. So the first one we did was a, a company called Fragment Coffee, which is like an amazing little story. It's a guy called Nuno Park. Um, he approached me when I had just the training facility. We didn't have our roastery set up and he wanted to do a tasting event. And he was working for another company and he just had this drive of like, I want to do a tasting event where people can connect and like on a high level, just have one coffee for the whole event and all we do is talk. And it was called Taste Bud Torture. And it went sick and he's got like a whole community and they all support each other and they're tasting stuff and all this. And then it's like slowly evolved. And that was like probably a year ago now. And then he came to us because he's like, I want to roast. And now he's roasting. He's got his own brand and he's like, he's showcased in some amazing cafes in Sydney. Like he's starting to grow and the guy's awesome like he's killing it and he's just taking it all in his own way and building amazing. this thing and yeah amazing. we were able to showcase him in our first one um so he's our first roaster we showcased and we're going to just slowly introduce to our other roasters like already through our facility we've got three people who have transitioned and actually uh what some companies would look as a lost client have actually we've helped them transition and set up their own roasteries wow so they've actually like been we've been that incubation to be like this is how you start and test out the waters, mm. and then we set them free. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very yeah, it's very it's very true. Your brand name, it's a communal thing, and you're an intermediate between so many different things, and you're almost like a gatekeeper or a, a gate opener, so yeah. to speak, to these doors which were locked off to so many people. And um, yeah, it sounds amazing with this subscription to again customers like myself who might you know enjoy a long black, enjoy a coffee, but weren't able to get in touch with such a variety of mm. roasters before. Yeah, it's a little bit it's it's a little bit like wine. It's like if you go to a nice wine bar, you're always like, Cool, what do you got? Mm. And you've got like a sommelier who's guiding you through and it's like what this is is like everyone consumes coffee and we're just we're trying to become a portal to be able to be your 
your connection to it at home and help you accept and understand and learn and like feel like you can be connected mm. without getting scared from mm. all these big scary words and these big scary it's very true <laughs> it's very true isn't it yeah. because we do get like that and like you said at the start of this interview it's like well I want to be in the cool club you know and it's like everyone's you're breaking, in a cool club <laughs> you're breaking that down it's like this is just cool as it is like let's enjoy it let's, yeah. let's bring it together and I love that yeah I think that's probably the best way to summarize it is like yeah we're just opening the doors Come on in. <laughs> yeah, come on yeah. in. And you can check Caleb out um, on Instagram. And I'll put into the show notes for everyone to follow his journey there. I mean, it's going to be insane when things start to phase back and it's just going to keep exploding. I mean, yeah, we're yeah. going to be able to watch your journey and, and visit you in Marrickville in Sydney and also subscribe to this new, this new subscription model, which just seems so valuable. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been awesome, man. Thanks for having us, dude. Like, it's Seriously, been, man. This has been, been great. sick. I know. Yeah. It's I've, been um, awesome to be able to chat and to be able to share. I feel like, like I said earlier, you've got such, such knowledge in your head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. we've got an hour. <laughs> yeah. So I would highly um, implore my audience to go check out and follow Caleb's work and what he's doing here. You know, young man from the Central Coast who is. Is living his life by by design and, and not falling into the voices of others, which is like the whole premise of this. Yeah. And it's very inspiring, you know? Yeah, I'd never heard that live by design. Oh, man. Until like I was like followed your stuff and I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it just clicked in my head. I was like, oh, yeah, I think I'm doing that. Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. I'd never yeah. put that together, but yeah, yeah, it's sick. Yeah. Do you have anything to say that you want to that you feel like you haven't had the opportunity just yet? Um... No, not really, man. Like, I, I talk underwater. I apologize. Um, I can, <laughs> this has been awesome. Yeah, I can talk in circles for days. My my whole thing is, like, I really like to, like, I appreciate having the opportunity to, to talk about this um, and to kind of share my perspective on stuff because um, I've had a really unique experience and I have, I understand, I can appreciate now that I have a pretty unique view on how I want to hold myself as a person and, and as a business owner and how I want to help people, especially in my sector, in my industry, of the coffee industry, to be, like, feeling more attainable to stuff. So, like, I just appreciate having an opportunity to talk. Yeah, so, and, and likewise, so do I, and I know our audience does, to, to feel your energy and to feel your presence, that this is approachable, and this is this is what it is. You want to get into it? Come and check us out. Like, this is what we're doing here. Yeah. And yeah. A, a lot of other people, uh, it's so attractive. You yeah. know, it's so attractive because... It's not so much the cool club, which is inaccessible anymore. Yeah. And breaking that down, and like you said, you're building the next generation of roasters and, and, and yeah. people in your industry. Yeah, I'm just excited to see what people can do. Like, I wonder, like, what I could have done if I had access to something like this. So I'm yeah. like, man, there's heaps smarter and, like, you know, more savvy people than me out there. I wonder what they do with this opportunity. I wonder what they do when they get access okay. to this. Like, someone's going to do something, and I'm just going to be like, what? You can do that in coffee? That's sick. And, you know, we're just going to be there for the ride. Yeah. It's going to be wicked. Mm. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much, my friend. It's uh, Season 2, Episode 2, Done and Dusted. Thank you for joining us, you beautiful people. And I will be recording another episode next month with some other amazing <laughs> young Central Coast artist, entrepreneur, and creator. Join us then. Yeah. <laughs>